0: It was like top three songs I wanted to cut. Cause it wasn't like fully developed when it came into the studio. It was like a voice memo on a phone.
1: Welcome back to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David, my friend is Aaron, and this is episode 125. The world is a beautiful place and I am no longer afraid to die. With Chris Teddy. Now, Chris plays guitar in The World Is. Uh, He's also a fairly accomplished producer, engineer. He's worked on some fantastic albums, including one of my favorites, uh, if not my favorite from last year, that being the latest album from Fiddlehead. But we are here to talk about The World Is A Beautiful Place, and I Am No Longer Afraid To Die. He brought five songs that he wanted to share the stories behind, and so we get into those. And there's some pretty great stories, whether it's talking about some of the lyrical content, how the song came together, or just some tips and tricks, I guess, that he pulled some magic that he pulled off in the studio, stuff like that. Uh, it's it's a fantastic conversation. And I will say this, if you are a fan of The World is a Beautiful Place, uh, you are definitely familiar with her song January 10th, 2014. We get into a pretty in-depth conversation about that song. Probably, I would say, one of their better-known songs, a classic song in the uh, emo post-hardcore scene of the past 10 years or so. Uh, It is an incredible one, and we do get into it, as well as four other songs that he brought to the table. It was really a fun conversation. Uh, One of my favorites to date, for sure, because there's so much, if you're a fan of the band, you know this, there's so much going on with each and every song, not just... Lyrically, but also musically. So uh, this one goes goes a good way. Anyway, before we get into it, I did want to take care of some some housekeeping. Go follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Growing Punk Pod. You'll find myself and Aaron's personal Twitters and Instagrams there as well. Uh, you can also head on to Spotify and Apple Music. We are updating playlists weekly. With new singles and albums that come out, so if you're looking for new music, uh, we we kind of take care of that for you each and every week. And we've also got right now we're, we've started a new series of monthly playlists where we have uh, different artists, authors, whatever, just guests come in and share a playlist, ten or eleven songs of, so, uh, of of you know songs that meant something to them, one way or another, new, old, whatever the case may be. Uh, The playlist that's currently up right now is from author Eric Grubbs, who uh, is the author of the book Post. A look at Post Hardcore and its influence from the mid-80s to the mid-2000s, basically. Great read if you're looking for a book to read about that particular subject. I would highly recommend it. So you can go follow us on Apple Music and Spotify for those playlists. We're just growing up punk. You can find us there. Super easy. It's also all linked in our bio. On our social media So there you go Let's not waste any more time Let's hop into this one Like I said This is episode number 125 The world is a beautiful place And I am no longer afraid to die With Chris Teddy I've been I've been looking forward to this um, since. So I mean, I reached out obviously because I had uh, Greg on the show. So I did want to ask first and foremost, who's got the longer hair? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think me, uh, just because I started earlier.
1: Right. It was. I I don't know if I've shared this with anyone, but in uh, in the conversation I had with Greg, uh, we talked for what must have been probably like two and a half hours or whatever, like. We were on mm-hmm. for, for a while, but so how my how my setup is, is, you know, I've got a window that's got, you know, like notes open and the lyrics to songs and whatever, and then my Zoom window is just kind of like smaller in the corner, but when, when someone's talking, I'm like looking at them, right? And so we were chatting for so long, and his picture was so small that by the end of it, because he was wearing, you know, he's got dark hair, dark beard, and he was wearing a I want to say he had a black shirt on. So it was all just kind of Mm -hmm. blending together. But in my mind, I was staring at this little picture for so long that, um, you know, he's got so with the beard, he's got like a little patch of skin, you know, bare skin under the lip, right? Like a lot of people do. So I just kept picturing him as if he had this big like Yosemite Sam mustache. And I had to (laughs) like, as the conversation was going on, I was like, I had to like almost snap myself out of it because I was like, oh man, this is too funny. And I kept getting this image in my head. So. That's I'm good. Tr- yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to not uh, to do that this time. <laughs> nice, but yeah. So um, I think I, w- I wanted to start off by saying that I want to. So every year on this show we do what we call the Guppies, which is just like our year end list. It was a playoff off of um, the Dundies from The Office and uh, growing up punk gup Guppies, whatever. And so this year we yeah. we we kind of make up awards for our. 10 or this year it was 11 favorite albums instead of just going like this is my number 10 and counting through we just make up kind of you know silly awards but i wanted to retroactively give your guys's latest album an award because when we were so here's the thing is when we when we prepped i listened to your album when it first came out and really liked it but i'm sure you are aware that when it comes to the world is a beautiful place it's not music that is necessarily immediately digestible if that makes sense like there's a lot going on right i mean the last two songs on the record are like a record unto itself minutes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's impressive right so so mm-hmm. it didn't make my list but in preparing for this once we you know kind of confirmed that this was going to happen i started obviously listening to it a lot more and i was like I want to retroactively give it an award for this year, and so I called it the Time Travelers Award because I want to be able to go back in time to give it to you on the episode. So this is me writing what I consider to be a wrong. So, (laughs) yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Bravo. Uh, Yeah. No. Why don't we? I I was trying to figure out how to do how to you know what kind of order to go this through go through this. Let's go back to, I guess, the beginning for yourself. Do you remember the first, like, band, song, album, whatever it was that kind of introduced you to the world of punk and hardcore?
0: Ooh, okay, yeah. Um, it's a little bit of... I mean, there's a few, but I think uh, it was in middle school. I, I was burning CDs for friends because yeah. my dad had a CD burner. So I ended up I ended up with, like... A, Oh, Deftones, White Pony, hmm. Around the Fur, and then Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. Um, those are kind of the entry points there. Like, Queens of the Stone Age, I guess. I mean, obviously, those are, like, massive bands, but it was definitely, yeah. like, the jumping off point. into like like, uh, right after that, you know, I, I got, like, Music Match Jukebox. Okay. Which was kind of... Uh, it was it was like an early streaming thing. So then that's how you find like Sex Pistols or
1: right, yeah,
0: the Clash. But I'd probably like it's probably like Deftones, Raised Against the Machine,
1: kind of man. That that Deftones did. album though, White Pony, especially it is one of my all time records. Like it is so good. Like I mean, I wouldn't necessarily put that in the world of punk and hardcore, but as far as like alternative and heavier music is concerned, for sure, like it is so. So good. Uh, but what made you, I guess, want to pick up the guitar? Because, like, I mean, obviously with, with The World Is, you guys, you know, you do a lot of different things on the guitar, right? Like, you're not just up there playing, you know, your four or five chords per song. You've got, you know, mm-hmm. your, your different lead pieces, your your different effects, all this kind of stuff. So what kind of, like, brought you into that world, I guess, that um, that kind of sound with the guitar?
0: Um, That, I mean, it... That I mean, there was partly like Rage Against the Machine with all their effects, but, you know, it kind of, it, it kind of went off from there, you know, because uh, I remember getting to like Vishnu Orchestra.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I was in like, I was in like, um, orchestra band, like in middle school, high school stuff. So I remember having a guitar teacher who would show me a lot of 70s proggy stuff. Right. And even, I mean, even at the same time, I was, like, getting into Converge, but I was, there's certainly, like, a lot of the trippier, like, Mahavishnu Orchestra stuff. I was like, oh, like, you can do more than just, like, a power chord, because a lot yeah. of the stuff I was listening to was, like, power chord based. Yeah. Um, But it's, like, a pretty mixed bag, honestly. Like, th- there wasn't, like, a single thing. Obviously, there's, like, a lot of the punk stuff, but... I, I don't know. I just like, because world is, is so diverse. It works for me because I can pull from like five different genres.
1: in like, well, the song. I was going to say like the, the thing I love about your band is that, you know, you, you take kind of like the best elements from, you know, post hardcore, from post rock, from indie rock, from, you know, there's just all these elements that are kind of like meeting together in this, um, really incredible way, I think. And, and I think, mm-hmm with how you guys, you know, no no one World Is song really sounds like the other because I think you guys are, you just allow so many changes to sort of happen in the songs as they go. I am I'm curious how that, you know, maybe, the, obviously, the songs we're going to talk about, that'll get covered a little bit too. But I am kind of curious, on, on the whole, like, how does something like that come together? Is it, you know just jamming it out do you all kind of bring different pieces and go how can we make this work together
0: um there's a lot of jamming stuff out um that's like a very big part of it and i think it's because everybody's bringing something of their own to it mm-hmm. and There's not like there's not like oh this one guitarist or this one like the our singer or something like writes everything and i feel like there's there's a lot of bands where that'll happen where it's like i don't know something like uh, Green Day, it's like okay, their singer is probably like the main songwriter. Though. Right. Like, yeah. He's he's bringing the the skeleton of the song to the band, and they kind of fill it out. But what you get is basically like he's writing a similar thing every time in a way. Mm-hmm. Or, um, in this case, it's just kind of like everybody's pulling from a different influence. Like it shouldn't work. It shouldn't work. It should be a mess. <laughs> yeah. And it should it like it's like it's kind of like when you're in high school, you're like, oh, my friend plays drums my friend plays bass but they're all like into vastly different stuff it's like oh my my friend who plays drums is really into metallica but like our bassist is into like jimmy world but like they don't it when it all comes together it sounds like nonsense right or something but but with this it it, it, it some of its luck in that but i think um it's just from playing together for years as well but it's just that everybody's bringing something to the table and they all have different. Everyone has different influences. Like everyone has like a different background in music. It's not. It's not like everybody has like the same touch point. Yeah. From where they went off from. Um. There's a lot of overlap, but it, it, there's a lot of um, personal influence that that's different. So so I think if you ask each person in the band, like, oh, what was the influence for this song? You'd get you'd probably get like five or six different answers.
1: Yeah. So how how. I guess, did the band kind of come together? Because as you mentioned, it's not like it was, you know, just two or three of you that were, hey, you play this, you play that, let's see what happens. Like, there's been, at different times, a lot of you in the band. Um, In fact, you know, you might be one of the biggest, like, all official members of the band sort of projects I've seen. Uh, You know, obviously there's bands that'll have touring musicians that play with them as well, but the core is the same or whatever, but whereas you guys at different points have had from what i can understand official members of the band like upwards of 8 or so people at different times right like so how how did that kind of when when you first got together what was i guess what was the idea was it just friends that were jamming and went we can maybe do something with this or was it a little more concentrated
0: so i joined the band probably like a year after it it initially formed but like i, I people will try to sometimes be like Oh, like you're not an original member, and I'm like, dog, I've been in it for
3: like, over
0: ten <laughs> years. Like, yeah. the band existed on like an EP or something before I like joined. Pretty much, like yeah. they were just feeling it out. They, because I, I, as far as I know, it was just friends who were kind of jamming, and they're like, oh, I think we can, we mm-hmm. can try to do something with this, but you know, there wasn't very like specific goals. I mean, they were playing like DIY fests and just yeah. basements and stuff, and. Basically, I think, I think within the first year or two, it was, they went on like a couple small tours and it kind of like, was like, okay, like these people don't want a tour. Like right. these people, this isn't like what they're really serious about or something like that. So it shifts it a it shifted a little bit. And, um, basically me, one of the guitarists and our drummer, Steve all joined at about the same time In it's like end of 2010, early 2011, Um, and like, yeah, like I played in a band called my heart to joy that, um, had those two other members in it. So like, we kind of like, as that band was ending, we kind of just transitioned into world is, and that's when it like actually got serious because we already had been touring. We were both, both my previous band and world is were on top shelf records. It was like all the same friends. It was just kind of like. It wasn't like a continuation, but it was like a shifting of gears. Of like, well, we're already doing this. Let's Mm -hmm. just join a band that's actually going for it, right? And and trying, trying it.
1: So, how did that come to be? Like, did they did they invite you at some point? Like, they were specifically looking for different members, or Um, was it just sort of, you guys are free now? Why don't you come join us?
0: It's kind a little bit of that, and like my, it was a little bit of that, like because we. Connecticut's not that big like show wise like everybody mm-hmm. kind of knows each other there's like very separate groups of friends within Connecticut and like pockets of genres yeah but we were we kind of ex- existed in about the same world so um we would all i we had seen each other at shows or I had seen world is and stuff like that yeah. um so it was a pretty small world and so I mean I joined. Let me think. I joined as third guitarist and I had been filling in on bass for a couple months. And um, I had also driven the band on a tour. I had driven them on one tour. Right. um, Because I used to take photos at shows a lot. And that was kind of like becoming my focus. And then Mm -hmm. I did a tour or two with World Is, started filling in with them. And then it was like, well, we like having you around. Let's just add you
1: kind of thing it was it was pretty natural um so you mentioned there briefly that at one point you were third guitarist what is the most number of guitar players that have been in that band at once four that's like i yeah I i don't know if i could picture a band maybe you can name one off the top of your head but that has four active guitar players in it that are all especially like all kind of doing your own sort of thing right like just intricate little parts that obviously work together um, not just four of you chugging away on power cords but I, I like it's it definitely makes the band stand out um but I think the fact that you guys have been able obviously those numbers are a little smaller now from what I understand uh, but you know like the 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 fact that you're able to put something together where you can put headphones on and it's not just you in the studio playing four or five different guitar parts you actually have different I guess, different brains thinking up different guitar parts to put it all together, right? So that's that's pretty awesome. But um, four, that's that's incredible. So <laughs> it's amazing. It is amazing. I, I, I can remember thinking at one point, so I used to work at like a guitar shop and I remember talking with this one guy and he was huge into hardcore, right? And uh, obviously like the big thing that everyone gets amped for with hardcore bands is the breakdown, right? When everything just like, Halftime, whatever, everyone's dancing. And so I was just bringing up the fact it's like, what, what would it be like if a band, you know, like when two guitars hit that same thing at the exact same time, like when they sink in all of a sudden, it feels so great. But what happens if they had three or four guitar players that did that? Like, would it just get bigger? And I don't know if there's an answer to that question. Like, I don't know if it actually would just get bigger, unless I guess if they're all playing different things. Four different things and they yeah. come together at the same time right like then maybe it even yeah. drives it home even more but yeah uh, wasn't
0: there that band
1: diarrhea planet didn't they have
0: like five they had I like mean, five did they have like five or six guitarists on stage <laughs> but it was all like power chord fun, yeah, yeah stuff i think yeah well i think
1: i mean i don't know about them but i think the band beloved i don't know if you're ever heard them but i think they had three guitar players at one point, oh, okay. and they were kind of more like post hardcore and you yeah, know, they had some breakdowns, but I remember listening to like the album and going like, "Oh yeah, see, like this is the thing is when they all are do- you don 't really notice it that much, right because also on an yeah. album, there's so many layers of guitars anyways that you 're not necessarily picking up right away because it's you know all mixed together but um yeah yeah so- <laughs> I just- sorry yeah, I just actually
0: cut. beloved, beloved we um we toured with a couple of the to a couple guys from that band because yeah. they were playing with a band called the almost oh
1: and yeah in 20, yeah. in
0: 2013 we did a tour with them and finch it was like okay. our first it was the first ever like real tour i ever did that wasn't yeah. like vfw halls and shit yeah, yeah. and i love advent and yeah. joe um i believe he plays drums in beloved he sings in advent and okay. he's playing drums in the almost yeah <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, so. okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is funny cuz like obviously Aaron Gillespie would have been playing guitar and singing in the Almost, but playing drums and in... well maybe at that time he wasn't in Under Oath anymore, but He
0: wasn't he wasn't in Under Oath. Uh he was not happy that they were not touring in a bus. It was like right. fresh off <laughs> Under Oath enough where like touring in a van was not
1: not good cool. Life. And then he went to play drums for Paramore. I don't know if he's still playing drums for Paramore or not.
0: No, but... they have uh I'm like a Paramore historian.
1: Oh, but... amazing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he's not he's not in that. The, the the original drummer's back in.
1: Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. No, I, I just remember seeing footage and being like that guy is everywhere, everywhere. But yeah. uh I can imagine that tour also felt even a different level for him from, you know, even what Under Oath was up to at at the peak that he was. I mean, obviously he's back in Under Oath now too, but um let's get let's get back to The World Is a Beautiful Place. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> I I got you to uh to send me five songs that were Uh, your favorites or that you just had stories behind them that were cool to share or whatever the case may be. I don't know how you decided upon the songs you did, but I I tried my best to, because I think in the email uh, they were just kind of like you had grabbed them and they were in whatever order. So I tried my best to order them the way I think they were released um, so okay, because that's it, helpful. Yeah, because a couple of them, I like, I was just a little bit uncertain of because they come off of seven inches and splits and stuff like that, right? So I, I just tried to go on Discogs and figure it out. But So the first song I want to talk about, and we'll know right away if I got it right or not, is Beverly Wyatt.
0: That definitely would be the first okay, one. Okay,
1: so interested. it was, from what I could gather, it was released in 2013 as part of a four-way split with Tiger's Jaw, Code Orange Kids, and Self-Defense Family. And then it's also featured later on Assorted Works, which, um, real quick, my introduction to the band, I think, mm-hmm. was Assorted Works, uh, which is funny. So, like, I had I had heard the name The World is a Beautiful Place and I'm No Longer Afraid to Die. and uh, and, and I think I, I probably checked it out at some point and then, you know, there was a period where I was just like, because so my my history with kind of this world of music is I grew up listening to it. And then for a good stretch of time, I kind of like moved away from it sort of or whatever. And then mm-hmm. in starting this podcast, the original iteration of it uh, kind of brought me into listening to newer stuff. So there was a period of time where I was literally going through. Whether it was Reddit or even just on like Apple Music recommended artists, like just going through everything and trying to pinpoint things. And so at some point in time, I know I came across across your band and um, like Harmlessness was probably actually what first came out because it would have been it would have been after that album came out, but like so it had you know gotten its kind of its due or whatever people were talking about it. But uh, when Assorted Works came out. I think I, I was aware of who you were at that point. So I checked it out and uh, that was kind of the first time where I was like, oh, this band does a lot of things I really like, um, you know, that I look for in music. Because like that period of time where I kind of stepped away strictly from, you know, listening to, uh, you know, like post-hardcore or pop punk or skate punk or whatever, like that whole world, right? I was mm-hmm. listening. I was listening to bands like, you know, Death Cab for Cutie or the Appleseed Cast, which obviously the Appleseed Cast have some have some roots there. But just like, yeah, those little more indie rock, but Appleseed Cast obviously bringing in a little of that post rock influence. And so when yeah. I when I put you guys on for the first time, I was like, this is like all of those things working together harmoniously. This is amazing. <laughs> so uh, that was that was kind of my introduction, I guess, to the band. This song in particular, uh, I do love. When the lead riff kind of comes in, Mm -hmm. like the the distorted riff reminds me a little bit of the Smashing Pumpkins. I think just I don't know what it is. If it's just the guitar tone that really kind of like reminds me of Siamese Dream era Smashing Pumpkins. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of like uh, I don't know the word like the word that comes to mind is like fluidity to the riff where it just kind of like is very calming almost like it's i don't don't know how to explain it but um it's
0: funny you grabbed that from it because i think when we were writing it we joked about it being the rush riff and i don't remember why but even if it's like (laughs) inaccurate just it was burned into my brain of like oh the rush guitar comes in i don't
1: don't know why yeah yeah so but what is it about this song that made you pick it
0: um okay so this was the first song that i ever like produced for the band okay Cool. um and um it it, it's just like a special one to me. Cause it it's, it's like uh kind of in between a couple different like releases. Like um, it was right before like our full length
2: mm-hmm. came
0: out and is uh, in between a split we did with a band called deer leap. And that, that, that split was like, I think four songs by each band. And it was uh, on a 12 inch. Okay. And this, this split song was kind of like a cool little transitional thing from like that era into our first LP. Yeah. And I've always kind of liked that about like a lot of bands, like, like, I guess just kind of like one-off things or little EPs or splits that they'll do in between their bigger releases. And there's always like a cool little hidden gem in there. And I always kind of felt like that song was like one of those things that um, wasn't, it wasn't an it wasn't a full on ep or split and it wasn't a full length like yeah. just one song and the way it came together was just like really wild um i think one of the bands wasn't supposed one of the bands that's on it now almost wasn't on it I forget who, but there was like, I remember someone saying like, oh, we might get this band called Death Heaven to be on it.
2: Oh, yeah. And
0: I just, I was like, I don't know what that is. And they they were like, <laughs> it was just like before Sunbather or anything. Yeah, like that. yeah. And like, I don't know how much that was a conversation with anyone in that band, mm. but it was like thrown around of like, oh, maybe the fourth band could be Death Heaven. So like, someone's going to try to hit them up or something like that. Um, right obviously didn't happen, but I always thought it was funny because that split came out. And then soon after sunbather was just like an iPod commercials, like the cover of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I just remember thinking like that would have been like just some ridiculous thing, especially at the time. <laughs> but, but I, I, I do love that song, Beverly Wyatt a lot. Um, especially like obviously biased. Cause it was the first one I produced, but I just thought a lot of things came together really well on it. And it always mm. kind of felt like fall to me. Like it, it's just like, autumnal like thing which i i thought in the band's like earlier material was certainly like a feeling i got from the music and it it kind of fit into that and you know it's a little bit of nostalgia with it as well but i don't know it was a big thing for me to like record that song for like world is because i i what i didn't record all of the first lp
2: right
1: but
0: i was like i did record parts of it
1: so when did you get like when did you start engineering and producing?
0: Um, I started interning with Greg Thomas, um, who's mm-hmm. an end. If for anyone that doesn't know, um, yeah. I interned under him starting in 2010, okay. and then I started taking on my own projects in 2011. So like okay. r- a little after I officially joined World Is, I started yeah, yeah. taking on like my own bands. Yeah, and. So I'd say, like, I actually started recording bands in, like, 2011. Of course, I recorded stuff in high school and stuff like yeah. it. it doesn't really count. But, <laughs> um, like, it counts. But, like, if we're talking, like, I'm recording at a professional place. And yeah, it's not sure, just, yeah. like, my laptop. Um, So, yeah. And I think I took on that Beverly Wyatt song in 2012. So it was still pretty early for me. I was pretty, like, green. But um, I, I felt like I could handle one song yeah. by World Is.
1: yeah. <laughs> The thing I, one of the things I love about this song is so. I I know I said earlier that you know, like the world is. There's one song doesn't really sound like the next, but a lot of them do share something in common, and that's the journey that they take you on, right? Um, Yeah. Whether it's lyrically, and there's some songs that we'll talk about where lyrically they take you on a journey, or musically, this one. What I love so much about it is that it takes you on that musical journey. But it's all in a song that's three minutes and 49 seconds long, (laughs) you know, and it it doesn't feel like anything's really rushed. It just feels like, oh, like they that was like to the point and it was concise. And it's almost like it's a great introduction, I think, to what you guys do as a band in the sense that, you know, you don't have to sit down for a seven minute song to be like, hey, what's happening here? You kind of get all that. Up front in like I said a three minute and forty nine second song, which is a pretty standard length song. But uh, yeah, well,
0: but it's because it's like pretty linear. It's not really like first yeah. chorus or anything. Yeah. It kind of just like weaves, and that's that's probably more my favorite material by World Is. It's the the songs that are more linear. Yeah. Um. I mean, having some stuff repeat is fine, but I, I don't know. A lot of the songs I enjoy by the band most are, are, are just they could be three minutes or seven minutes, but it's, they just kind of like a straight shot through mm-hmm. into each different part in a lot of different moods. And I think, I guess Beverly Wyatt has quite a build to it and then it drops to the ending. So there's, there's a lot of different areas to it. So I think yeah. that's another reason why.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, the fact that that was the first kind of song that you really took on, at least with, with the band to, to engineer and produce and stuff like that's, the fact that i think all these years later how well it holds up to cuz like so i put these songs in a playlist and i just listen from mm-hmm. one to the next in the order right and i mean typically i'm not much of a playlist person i prefer obviously to listen to albums but the fact that it all holds up so well i think uh says a lot about not only just like the band obviously and their uh like the songwriting but also like your production skills that you've had from fairly early on apparently cuz this was one of the first ones so Oh, thanks, thanks. I think, thank kudos to you for that. So, uh, but yeah, the great song, great song. The next song that you brought, unless did you have something else you wanted to mention on that one? No, I, th-
0: I. Well, the one other thing I'll mention, which is, it's just like a little like fact thing. We wrote that song in a specific key. I don't remember what key it is, but we we tried to keep it within a certain key because we were try. We had we had like tr- kind of laid out the whole idea of the split, and I. Th- think we were trying to be on the same side as self-defense family. Okay. So I, and so we heard that they were going to start their song with like some sort of organ drone or something. And mm. it was like, it might've been a or something. So we like tried to tailor it to that. So even in a split, the band was like trying to have like yeah. an overarching like theme to stuff. Yeah. The, like, and, and like really like think it through and not just, Oh, it's a song. It was yeah. like, okay, if we're on the same side as this other band, let's, try to make them go into each other and which is a thing that we've kept throughout all our like full lengths is there's mm. a lot of songs that connect that's there's very few that just straight stop. And then the next one comes in. Yeah. If that happens, it's like very thought out. And right. we were doing that even back then. Yeah. on just a split.
1: That's pretty great. Like working. So, so did self defense family, did, did they have any awareness that you were trying to do that or was it something that they so. just mentioned and you went with it?
0: Um, I think a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I, I mean, that, that, it, them being on the split, like, made total sense back then because the, um, original drummer of my old band, My Heart to Joy, he was playing drums in Self Defense Family by that point. Okay. He's, he still plays with them. So it was kind of just like someone in the band hit him up. Yeah. Kind of yeah. thing. So it's just like we were all friends.
1: Yeah. That's, that's great though. So, um, Yeah, the next song that you had listed was January 10th, 2014. in 2015 on harmlessness yes. uh, this song I was actually tweeting about this song earlier today um, it's probably for sure my favorite song by the world is uh, Thanks. if it's not my absolute favorite it is definitely right up there like it is it's so good I was sharing it with a friend and uh, I want to read what we were texting because he had never heard it before and so I sent it and how did the conversation go uh, he re- he replies. He says, "Yes, this is amazing." And uh, I just said, "Where is it?" Oh, I said I was going to ask you how you how to write the perfect song, because this song is damn near perfect. Um, and uh, where did you go? Uh, oh he says wow this is there's a lot packed into that song i said right but every moment is so well executed it's like the song continues to outdo itself with every change and i don't mean that necessarily in that the song just gets bigger and bigger and bigger right like in Mm -hmm. doing crazier things but it's every movement of the song you feel like oh man like this for sure made the song better no part feels like it's just like okay well we got to do this part to get to this part if it makes sense right it's the The journey that you go on both musically, obviously lyrically, once I like read up what the song was actually about, it became even more fascinating because, like the first time I heard it, I was like, "'What is this about? when you know mm-hmm. it, it kind of quiets down and it says, "'Are you Diana the hunter?" and she says, "'I am, are you afraid of me now or whatever?" and they says, Well, yeah, yeah. shouldn't <laughs> I be? I'm just like, What is this song because a obviously the lyrics are one hundred percent conversational." And then the back and forth vocally that's happening there is just like what <laughs> you know it's it's like and, and I say what not in like confused but what in like this is so incredible. Um, I, I I guess I do have to ask, what did it feel like? Because obviously I'm sure this is, if not your most popular, definitely one of them. It's definitely uh,
0: yeah. As soon as we play it live, like as soon yeah. as that first guitar happens the single part it's just like
1: yeah (laughs) yeah and like because everything so the thing that really i think drove it home when i started listening to it more and more was actually the drums because they go off like when it gets into especially the parts where uh is it steven is that his name yes drummer yeah so when he's like playing the shots along with the guitar but then he's got his fills in between like each set of shots the first time i paid attention and heard that i was just like Holy crap. Like and you know, the what he's playing at the beginning, just kind of like this pushed beat that feels like where he's like dragging the song with him. There's there's so many parts about this song that are incredible. So I, I wanted to ask, when you were putting this song together and writing it, was there could you feel like that did it feel any different than any of your other songs? Um So,
0: okay, I it came together in the studio when you we were doing harmlessness. Mm-hmm. It was like top three songs i wanted to cut like (laughs) i was like it was like because it wasn't like fully developed when it came into the studio it was like a voice memo on a phone and spoiler alert the title is literally the date that the first idea for it was written like that was the voice memo title and i mean it worked out because we love bands like it was like me without you has like january 1979
1: all this yeah yeah great stuff song, but and man, it, now that song's in my head
0: yeah so it's like it, it it worked out and we were like that was just the working title um there's yeah. a few different working titles that have made it to final titles mm-hmm. but that being one of them and we really pieced it together in the studio um we all i had the drums all set up and we were tracking drums and we left them set up for a decent chunk of the record in case we had to re-hit stuff, because we write a lot in the studio. Like, we'll demo stuff out, but there's a lot... It's, like, very fluid and, like, natural progression with the songs of things are always shifting. There's never, like, oh, it has to be exactly like the demo. Um, So we all kind of got together during tracking, like, all in the same room and kind of figured out how that song was going to work. Because going in, it was like this is going to be a waste of time right now because we have like one part. There's nothing really written for it from what I remember.
2: Yeah.
0: It came together in a great way. Like when, when we were all playing it, I was like, part of me was like, I have no idea what's happening. It's coming together. I'm not (laughs) putting like, it's just like going. And like a lot of times, you know, people might be like, I wrote the chord progression in this part because of this. And it has this moving. It was just like, go, 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 as it yeah. came together. And it was just, like, moving so fast. I was like, I'm just going to go with whatever's going on, and and I'm going to have to go in the control room, like, in an hour, and we're going to have to track the drums. Like, right. this is just happening. <laughs> um, but as it was coming together, it was like, oh, shit, like, this song, there's, like, something cool here. But I don't think it, like, fully clicked with me personally until we got the vocals on it. And at first, I was like, when I heard the first like few lines, I remember being like, "What the fuck is this? What? What is this about?" (laughs) And like, I, because I I, when I track David, our singer, Mm -hmm. we we will go back and forth with like notes on stuff of like maybe we should move this line here, or we should have Katie sing this other line. And that song was very much I. I remember really wanting to push having Katie, like having like a back and forth, like having Katie yeah. more incorporated. In, and I think David also had the same idea. So it, like coincidentally that worked out and it was like, oh, okay, we can do that given the theme of the song. And Dave kind of showed me the story of it. Like, cause I didn't know there's, there's so yeah. many songs where like, I'm like, what the hell is this Dave? And then yeah. like, He's like, Well it's this or like I'll Google it. And I'm yeah. like, Oh, okay, like the way you're writing is different than like a typical like rock singer. It's not like sure. about someone you're in love with or something. You know what I mean? Like right. I, yeah. It's not like about a date or something. There's like there's like there's like a greater theme to it or it's pulling from an actual story that happened. Yeah, And I think once we were adding those together, adding those onto the song, and we added the violin, I was like, oh, this thing, like, ha- somehow it's, like, outpacing the rest of the record for me. Like, yeah. it was, like, dead last. Like, few, I was like, this has got to get cut. Fuck. Like, what do we do? We're running out of time. And then it, like, we added, like, vocals and violin, and it just, like, ramped right up to the front. And I was like oh, okay, this this is sick. I remember the, the lines at the end, uh, make evil afraid of evil's shadow.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It kind of, it's, like, it's not quite a breakdown, but it's kind of like...
1: <laughs> Especially, yeah, when the shots come in kind of at the end as, like, everyone's sort of playing along while David's singing. I guess Katie, I think, is singing there too, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, it... it it's, and what's, I think, incredible, obviously, like I asked you before we hit record how much insight you had on, on the lyrics and stuff, but one thing I did want to say about this song was, I know the first number of times I heard it, I was like, I have no idea what this is about. It's probably some, you know, like crazy metaphor or, you know, because it doesn't sound like it's about anything <laughs> tangible, really, right? Like anything that's based in reality and then come to find out like, oh, no, it's literally inspired by a story that happened. That from what I understand, you know, they read about in the news on a website or whatever, and from there, there's literally lines in the song that people said (laughs) in real life, or just slight variations on them. Like, so what? Once I, I think once I learned that or figured, like, read that up, I was like, this song just became even more, I think, intriguing uh, Mm -hmm. because it's one thing. Like, yeah, musically, there's so much going on that just works from one. Thing to the next building upon itself as it goes and then when you tie those lyrics in that like you said they're not they're not like oh this is a love song or a breakup song mm-hmm. or you know whatever or oh i'm angry at the government or this or something right like your more typical rock songs it's just funny because it's it comes straight from from the news and just presented in such a way and i mean also a pretty fascinating story um <laughs> you yeah know, so. i was
0: like how every time i find stuff out about like the the lyrics i'm like how, how did you find this and i and then yeah. i realized like dave or katie is just like there's just like more so dave because in the in the in the the weird finding of stories um it's like i'm like oh you were in like a google like wormhole <laughs> like, yeah like all right i respect it um but yeah, and I think that 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 last line that happens in the song was kind of like a throwaway line at first. Right. I think Dave just kind of said it, and I was like, "You're not gonna repeat it." And he's like, what? "Right?" And like dumb pop punk brain <laughs> in my head was just like, "No, no, no, no. This is like this is it. Sounds like Mike out to the crowd. Yeah. Like and, everyone's
1: clamoring to get up to the stage. Yeah,
0: yeah, and then." I was like, just sing through it, just try it, and let's just see. And he did it, and we were like, oh, that's, like, the apex. That's, like, the the actual ending of the song. It doesn't just, like, kind of drop off. It's just, like, somehow goes up a little bit, but it's it's not really, like, more dense than the stuff before. Like, everything else is just kind of, like, building, and then it releases.
1: Yeah. Um, And, I mean, not only that, but that line on its own, was it, make evil afraid of evil shadow – Uh, Yeah. It's just like, like it's a, even outside of the song itself, because like from what I understand, again, that's what's, you know, something that Diana had said in, I think it was a letter or whatever that she had sent as, you know, why she was doing this. But um, it's like just a powerful, a powerful line on its own to be used any way you want. So I can see people just like, clamoring to the front and being like yeah this is something that regardless of where you stand you can probably agree with right so um yeah
0: yeah i knew it was kind of crazy when we played when we toured in brazil and there was like kids coming up to us and they had that like tattooed on them and shit and i was like this is this is actually a little crazy (laughs) (laughs) it's
1: a bit wild yeah no that's that's it's it's incredible and it like because it's not the opening track on the album um but it's right near the front and really i feel because like um the opening track is if i it's it's like a quiet acoustic sort of thing right yeah it starts it remember. starts
0: yeah acoustic and then it builds to like a full band and stuff and yeah um i don't know however it transitions uh i'm really glad with how that came out like well, to and, have like it's cuz track 2 is like kind of an interlude and it's like yeah. it shouldn't really work but somehow it does because of how january 10th is it's like the yeah. payoff is there
1: yeah well and and I, again i just think the way the drums kind of bring the song in right like it's all of a sudden you feel this change and it perks your ear up right away and you go oh wait what's happening and yeah you've gone through a couple of you know a song and an interlude and then into the song so there's been a few things that have happened but it's definitely one of those things it can be easy i think listening to an album even when albums are like well thought out and constructed sometimes it can just be easy to get completely lost in it right like just listening to something and the next thing you know you're five six seven tracks in or whatever the case and and that's awesome but what i love about this particular song is that the way it starts and it's not like it starts with like some blazing intro or just massive or whatever that just like shoots you out of your chair or something right like it's it's just when it comes in you go oh we're going somewhere now it's like you know the car's been yeah, started yeah, yeah. And now we've hit the gas and we're going somewhere, and it's yeah. I don't know, it's it's pretty Thanks. incredible. Thanks. Yeah, yeah,
0: that was that. I mean, the I guess I'll add this one other thing that that song was basically where I was like, oh, this is like a new era in like the band's direction. Yeah. Because it was like another step past like our first LP. That's where I was like, oh, okay, like there is something here that the band is like developing past that. Yeah, it's yeah. not just like here's the first LP, but like a little tighter.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, The next song that you brought was Katamari Duquette. If, again, I think I think I got this right. It looks like it was originally released in, uh, released in twenty sixteen on the Long Live Happy Birthday seven inch, uh, but it also shows up on Assorted Works as well. Uh, right off the bat, I love this song. I don't know if it's you on guitar, but that opening riff uh, reminds me so much of Pedro the Lion, which is like oh, Dave Fazan, Pedro the Lion, one of my favorite songwriters bands. Um, and so immediately, I'm I'm drawn into it. And also, as it kind of goes on. It's probably one of the heaviest songs. I think like that back half of the song, like, I mean, you're obviously just talking about in January 10th where uh, at the end of it, you know, banging away on, on the, that last line or whatever. But in this one, the back half of the song or wherever it may be where it kind of like gets pretty heavy too. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: uh, now, so I guess, so in the, in the song, that back half that I'm talking about, um, you had mentioned in the email that obviously it's it's a song that you guys have now gone back and referenced on your new album in a way, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Also, by the way, is my video working? No, it
1: it's working? frozen, but your audio is still there. So oh, okay. <laughs> um, it just looks like you're sitting there, like your eyes are closed, like you've fallen asleep, sitting straight up in your chair.
0: <laughs> oh, great! Oh, there you right. are. You're back now.
1: Oh, and you're I guess much we're switching.
0: Now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so okay, that song was actually even though it came out after um Harmlessness, it was actually recorded right before okay. we did that record. And that's another song where it felt like a transitional thing. Yeah. Um, kind of like Beverly Wyatt was um going into our first LP. I felt like when we wrote Katamari, it was a transitional thing into um, harmlessness and, um, let me think. Yeah. It's that. So that seven inch has a song called even more forever that I believe is before it. And the drum beat on that specifically references a song called mega Steve that we have on our, for, our, uh, split with the band Leap. Okay. And that's like a beat that we've brought back over the course of the band's like career. But, um, there, like, we always have like these little themes that we try to bring back and stuff. And Ooh. then with Katamari, we have referenced a part of that on our newest record, Illusory Walls. There's always like random Easter eggs that we try to have yeah, within yeah. our albums. But um, yeah, I thought Katamari was like a little heavier. It's when I started using baritone in the band okay, yeah, yeah. because yeah. I I fell in love with like Oh Brother. Mm. Um, the band and it's around the time when I got my first baritone. So there's like some lower tune stuff in there and, um, it just felt like a little darker it, it, than anything we had on our first LP. And, right. um, I, I, I loved like David, David's like kind of lyrics that felt like a story. Um, Yeah. It within there and the, the whole like away with God, away with love, our hands are tied and stepped on. I remember that middle part of the song, he was like, all right, man, this is going to be a little weird. This mm-hmm. part's going to be a little weird. Just bear with me. I'm going to do a few different layers. Just check it out. And like he layered his voice in like a few different like way, like um, different notes. So it was like a weird chord. Uh, once the song hit back in. And he was, like, I think he was, like, nervous of what I was going to say because it was definitely, like, different than anything the band had done up until that point. It, it, yeah. he, he was really starting to, like, make his mark on, like, what he could do as a vocalist. And I remember him singing it, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's – yeah, let's just do that. And I, th- I feel like he might have thought that I was going to be like, I don't know how that is. It's not <laughs> perfect. It's not um, – I don't know. It's, it's not, like, a typical – thing but um yeah i don't know i just loved how dark that song was and i love playing it live um for a while we were ending our set with it because it was just it was just spilled up so much yeah, yeah yeah and like i'd play like these lower like chords through the ending and it was just like the way it ended just felt like this like re- like this massive build and then just released and the set was done Yeah, we'd probably reach our loudest point of the set, and maybe one of the heavier parts of our set for like up until that point. Um, But we recorded that. Oh God, when was it? March of like 2015, February of Mm -hmm. 2015, when we were still writing "Harmlessness." But it didn't. It didn't come out until like the following year. Right. Um, but I remember being in Europe with "Me Without You" when it came out and like people messaging me about it cuz cuz I, I it had just like kind of like escaped my mind it was we were already had touring on harmlessness so this like random couple songs we recorded like a year before yeah like i kind of forgot about it was, like on a 7 inch i was like i don't know if anyone's going to care and then i remember getting messages from people like holy shit like what is up with that song it's crazy um so that that's when i was like oh okay like we were like doing something good it wasn't just like this throwaway like side release like but, um, yeah, just another one of the, it, it's also a very linear song. I think I, I kind of have a theme on all the <laughs> tracks I'm picking. Well, I was, was going
1: like... to say, yeah, when you mentioned it earlier, I was like, wait, I had that thought about a number of these, these songs, whereas like, I wouldn't be able to tell you what's a chorus and what's a verse and you know what I mean? Like to, re- to reference things. But, um, yeah, this, this, I love the idea of bands referencing past material, um, mm-hmm the same way I love, you know, like with movies that aren't not movies that are direct sequels of each other. Cause that's obvious, but movies that, you know, take place to get like in the same universe. So like the biggest one that comes to mind, obviously now with like Marvel stuff, but like before that growing up on Kevin Smith movies and how all of his movies had references to other characters and other events in his movies, but you know, they mm-hmm. weren't necessarily direct sequels. I always loved stuff like that. And so when you brought this up, uh, with it with this particular song and then you know oh we the line in it i was like because i had never heard this one or, or i'd heard it but i'd never really dove into it before and so when you brought that up with the line i was like and i can't remember if in the in the email you said it or if it was when the first time i listened to it after i put it in my list and i went oh yeah i do recognize that line from the new album because by far like the new album is the one i've i've listened to the most at least the most recently obviously but uh but it reminded me of things like with the Wonder Years, you know, with the Greatest Generation. They're you know, I just wanna sell out my funeral, the closing track, how they like bring back in all these lines from previous songs on the album and it's just like this really kind of cool thing. So particularly in that instance, like closing the album and just making you feel like oh, I can breathe again. Um <laughs> But uh but like just that idea of bands doing that, I love it. So when you brought it up I was I was pretty pretty pumped on on the idea that you and that you guys do it evidently more than just this you know particular time because i was going to ask why did you reference this but i mean i guess i can why why did you decide that that was the line that you were going to bring forward uh or that was the element that you were going to bring forward on the new record
0: um that i mean i that was kind of like our singer dave's decision but when he did it when he did it i was like because the part he brings it in on is in a song called died in the prison of the Holy office. And it's mm. one of the heavier points on the record. And it made total sense because I was like, Oh, this is one of our heavier moments and like kind of grand, this is like sh- sh- like an orchestra essentially over it. And, um, that's what it kind of felt like when we did Katamari, like where he has the same line, it was like, Oh, all these strings, yeah. low tuned guitars. It's like this massive thing um it i like it worked with the song lyrics that he already had but when he sang it over it when i got the demo i was like oh yeah like that's perfect like of course this is the section to bring it back on like yeah um just feels like this fucked up symphony or something (laughs) like (laughs) death march um but i it's there's a lot of stuff that dave will like reference that i'm always just like how did you how'd you think of that but but then again i'm doing that on like guitar sometimes or yeah. r- random layers so you know
1: yeah and that's and i think that's the one thing that i've learned to love about the band is that there's always there's always something new to kind of discover there's there's a lot going on and sometimes obviously not not in your guys' case but sometimes a lot going on can also be distracting right but i think the way that you guys kind of put it together uh, it really feels obviously intentional and not just in the way of being like, Oh, wouldn't, wouldn't it be cool if we just had even more guitars or even more vocals? It's like, no, every part has its part. And I think, you know, kind of has its purpose. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's
0: a lot of thought that goes into it. There's a lot yeah. of thought that goes into it. It's like, stephen I'll, I'll, I'll make jokey like posts online, stupid shit posts or whatever. But like, when it comes to like our music, it's like, okay, we're like serious about that.
2: Yeah. Like, that's like, yeah. <laughs> that's
0: where all, all of it like compounds into that. And it's like, The hive mind, or something of everyone in the world, is it all kind of comes together.
1: Yeah, that's great. So the next song that you brought was Marine Tigers. Came off uh, 2017's album Always Foreign. So, uh, the note I had was: this is another "The World Is" song that just displays why I love listening to the band. Every song is a journey, not just lyrically but musically, which we've talked kind of quite a bit about over the course <laughs> of the episode. But, but I think that's very fitting for your band. Um, also, like I, I like the idea. Like obviously, going back to January 10th, you know the the, the story behind that song lyrically was. Something that was just kind of taken straight from from the news, but I love how this song kind of has like, there's a social message to it, but also very, like it, it, it clearly it feels like a, a personal journey. I suppose that the narrator goes on, and we won't go into too much about the lyrics because, like you said, you don't have a, a ton of insight on well, them. Well, actually,
0: with this one, this, this one, one you do. I Perfect. do have some. I do have some, because this actually the song title. The song title is the name of a book that David's father wrote.
1: Oh, incre- okay, cool.
0: And Dave's dad um grew up in I believe he grew up in Puerto Rico. Yeah. I don't want to get this wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I read yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, I believe that was the name of the boat that he mm-hmm. came on or it was what people would call pe- what people I, in I think New York would call the the group of yeah, people I think- that came I- over.
1: I think it's both. I think the both the boat was called the USS Marine Tiger. I mm-hmm. think is what I had read, and then so by proxy they they called people Marine Tigers that came off the boat that were that were immigrating to to New York or whatever. Okay, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So there's like there's like yeah, there's a few layers to it, and yeah, the book is about like him kind of adjusting to life in New York City and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, essentially as an immigrant and. Um, So there's like various things, like the kind of the story with the lyrics, like, you know, it's like he mentions like someone walking around like their neighborhood and stuff like that. There's a lot of um, it's just like cement to make you feel like you're that person. Yeah. Like adjusting to life and like changes around you. Um, And I believe in the middle of the song, he references names in his family. Yeah, I believe he references like names in his family. There's like the name Moses is in there, and yeah. that's someone's last name, like in in his family. That's not like yeah. it's not like Moses and the, the, the yeah the, Bible the lines or are something.
1: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with Jose. There's nothing wrong with Moses, which I think so. I think is Jose his dad, and Moses uh, is his mom's maiden name or something.
0: It's something like that. It's something like that. What um, did he
1: say? Because yeah, there's. Um, so this is, I guess, this is what he had said with an interview with Stereo Gum. Uh, mm-hmm. It has these other connotations, like Moses parting the sea. But my mother's maiden name is Moses, and my father's first name is Jose. It's just yes. a literal thing. It's not as deep as it sounds, but it sounds deep because it's super personal and hyper specific. Which, yeah, that's that's one thing I've. Um, come to love about his lyrics though is that sometimes it seems like oh like i said with january 10th i was like this sounds like it's supposed to be some you know like crazy metaphor or something and no he's literally writing a song about a specific story and actually taking you know phrases words people said and so it's it's pretty incredible but can yeah, continue with gets, what you're saying about the song
0: oh um i just said it like it ties in with his family. family's like so hyper specific but i yeah. think I think it's like has relatable stuff because I, I know I know sometimes we'll hit points where things might be like so specific. I don't know if someone could like relate to it. It's just like right. that's just like <laughs> there's there's that's just like what it is. Like that's this person's specific life. But but the, even though this stuff gets hyper specific, I, I, I think it's still you, you still find like a deeper meaning in it mm-hmm. yourself as like a listener, but um. Yeah, this song, it's, like, another kind of linear one, I guess. But I remember, like, when we added, like, horns and stuff into it, and yeah. I remember everybody watching, I think, was it Radiohead playing? Do they have a song, National Anthem? The National Anthem? The National Anthem. I'm Same just nice. Googling this. Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, they have a song, The National Anthem, and there's a live video of them playing it. it had all these crazy horns that were just kind of going, doing yeah. their own thing. It's not – it's like a – it's it's not like oh we're playing these specific notes. It's just like a, <laughs> yeah, th- like an explosion. And I remember us referencing that as to how the horns went and um, just the dynamic of the song. It's yeah. like it, 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 a lot of my favorite stuff. Yeah, is the more linear stuff, but also like the very dynamic. Like it, it, there's like very big differences within every part. They're all like their own kind of adventure. Yeah. Um and.
1: Uh, I love that you brought up the horn section because I did, I I had a note that was asking, could you explain what's going on with the horn section? Because, and I said, it sounds like they are playing different songs or different parts of a song at the same time, but is it also, which, which you just explained, um, but there's part of it. And maybe this is just me looking into obviously like his, his parents' story, but there's part of the horn section that comes off sounding very like Latin Is that is that intentional or is that just me like hearing it going like part of it being oh I just watched uh, in the heights recently (laughs) you know which covers a lot of that same sort of topic stuff right which has obviously a lot of Latin music in it but so is it was that something intentional with the horn parts or they or were they just played and that's kind of like what it was I think it's
0: just kind of like how it came to like and I think that's just what happened like there wasn't there wasn't like oh we need it to I mean, aside from just kind of referencing that live version of that Radiohead song, yeah. I don't, there wasn't like, oh, it needs to be this or this. It was just kind of like yeah. them going off, and it kind of just naturally came together in that in that way.
1: Yeah, because it does kind of feel like there's, um, like I, I I hear now you saying like just referencing something that basically you guys had heard slash seen and thought was awesome, and thought, hey, let's mm-hmm. let's kind of put our spin on that. But there's something about it, because I don't remember specifically where it comes in the song lyrically, but that felt almost like chaotic celebration. But knowing that, you know, like the the song seems to also be covering things like gentrification and, you know, like that's not something someone's going to celebrate who can no longer afford to live where they've spent the last, Mm -hmm. you know, number of years of their life living, but... There was it, yeah it's it's such an interesting element I think and just with the lyrical topic of the song I'm like I could find ways to make that fit what's going on lyrically you know it's pretty uh it's
2: yeah pretty awesome
0: Yeah yeah for sure and I think like that also that song is like what kind of tied into the record title Always Foreign of mm-hmm. like the kind of mm-hmm. like uh kind of like immigration or going through even going through changes and stuff like that like when that record came out we had money from the pre-sale that got donated to like um a few different charities that dealt with like Im- like immigrants and right. stuff like that. Yep. And um yeah, there was like there was like a greater theme partly because of David's father, dad's book. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. and that played into some of his lyrics and I feel like Marine Tigers I I I didn't want to leave a song I didn't want to ignore always foreign. It's kind mm-hmm. of it's kind of like a forgotten about release for us even though it's like our previous lp it kind of just was like a lull in the band
2: yeah overall
0: and i mean there's like a cover that we have we, we did a cover of in circles by sunny day real estate that came out a little less than two years ago and that that cover already has more plays than any song off always foreign <laughs> oh
1: like what song did like, you cover
0: in circles
1: by okay, Sunny awesome. Day real
0: estate Um, It it was because of a documentary that was supposed to come together and um, it was supposed to be about like early emo stuff and it it was kind of like the song that they requested to be in the film, but we like added our own twist to it. It's not just like a direct cover, but anyways, like that, like it's, 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 it's like a song I would like to bring attention to for people to probably check out on that record. Because I'll see people yeah. on forums on the internet be like, oh, wasn't their previous record always formed? Wasn't that just like a pop punk record?
1: Right. And I'm like,
0: <laughs> I don't think you heard like the back half of the album. <laughs> like, yeah. you probably heard like a couple tracks and went, oh, it all sounds like that. We We kind of like fucked up by having our first single of that record be like an upbeat, like two and a half minute kind of pop punky song. Cause yeah. it came out in the summer. We were like, Oh, this will be like a fun song. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Turns out everyone just thinks the record sounds like that. Oh man. <laughs> they... <laughs> and I was like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like, yeah, it's partly just like, I-, I wanted to bring a little bit of attention to it. Cause I, I was really proud of that track.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to, to ask because, you know, I've interviewed a number of bands that, you know, maybe have been around for quite some time. Like the last interview I did was with Matt Pryor of the Get Up Kids. And we talked about uh, On A Wire. And when it came out, you know, kind of the immediate reaction that they received and, you know, they were kind of a bit disappointed. And, um, but over time, like people's reception of that album has changed. So not that, you know, always foreign has been out for nearly as long as a record, like on a wire. But have you noticed like, as time goes on, like if people started to kind of pick up on it a little bit more, or is it kind of sort of stuck with, you know, like the people who were going to buy the record or listen to the record, listen to it. And now it's just kind of, that's, that's its place.
0: Um, yeah, I think it's like too early to say I'm not, I, yeah. I like, I don't think it, I, I wouldn't say like always foreign is like, a qu- like I, I wouldn't be like it deserves the same recognition as like On, on right. Wire or anything like that but
1: yeah no no who for knows
0: sure. like who knows given what the, the the world is like with like um for example like Failure's Fantastic Planet album was like yeah, just like uh it didn't really do much when it came out but like yeah. obviously it caused them to reunite when you know people f- kept finding it were like oh this is actually amazing I feel like Always Foreign is like in its stage of like people know it came out, but like, no, not many people were finding the band on it. I do have some very close friends who, who think that they're like, up until the newest record came out, they were like, that is like where I really came into the world. Is like, that was my, yeah. they, they, they expressed that that was more the direction they liked or, um, their favorite at the time. But I think the, it was well reviewed, like critically, like really well reviewed, like, but, fan res like like actual music fan response was kind of like
2: yeah yeah
0: <laughs> it's it's a thing but um yeah. i mean that happens to every band um so you know it's like those are like records that'll break a band if, yeah, if you're right. just on this incline for years and yeah. you can't like see past like having an album or song that kind of just like doesn't hit the way everything else was yeah, You have to like, it's not like every, every record is like going to be the best thing ever. Like you have to go through changes and that was a record that was like very, um, we were just going through changes and like adjusting. And it was like a response to yeah. like, the, just like the, like we wrote it kind of fast and it came out in a crazy time, especially like Trump getting elected, all this shit. Like, yeah. it was just like a, it was just like a thing, you know, you got to get it out and that's it. But, um, I mean, we'll see. But, I don't know. I mean, the
1: fact, I think, it like, one thing that I think could help in the future with fans going back to that record and going like, oh shit, I was wrong about this record. You know, if, if they mm-hmm. wrote it off as like, oh, it's a pop-punk album or whatever, right? Like, um, those particular fans is the fact that you followed it up with a record that you could easily argue is legit your best record to date. I always, I love when I find it kind of funny. Um, and maybe this again is like more so with bands that have been around for 15, 20, 25 years where they go, Oh, the stuff we're writing now is our best stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, because I think, I think most songwriters are probably like, yeah, I really like what I'm working on now. And then when something comes out and the fans go, oh, that's just not, it's not very good. Right. But so when bands continually Mm -hmm. put out like almost one up themselves each time, um, I, I love it because then you, you, it definitely makes you look forward to like what's what's coming next. So, let's move in, I guess, to the last song, um, which which has a song title that's nearly as long as the band name, uh, <laughs> off an album that has a much shorter title. But it's invading the world of the guilty as a spirit of vengeance.
3: And we know we birthday So she could help but just send money. Her-
1: of your latest record illusory walls which i, I said earlier i'm giving the uh, time travelers award because i want to go back in time and uh actually put i don't know what the problem is i don't know i'm like what would i actually you know kick out of my top picks uh, i'm sure mm-hmm. if i thought long and hard i could figure it out but it's such such a good record and this song is is for sure a song that from the first time i listened to it um jumped out to me And I mean, maybe we'll get there as to what immediately Uh sort of made it jump out. But um, I love, so the rest of the songs that you picked for these five songs, I feel they all kind of start, if I'm remembering correctly, pretty similar where they kind of like, they're a little bit quieter when they start. Maybe Uh not just, you know, a single guitar and slowly building, but Uh have a little more laid back start. Whereas this one kind of gets going right away. With yeah. like the drums and the bass and it's just like here we are, um, mm-hmm. gnarly bass tone. I really like the, the bass tone. Thank you. Yeah,
0: we, we joked about it sounding like angry bees. We were, <laughs> like, we were like, That's yeah. a, that's an angry bass.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then like the fact that David's vocals are just like soaked in reverb and delay, uh, really adds, you know, kind of a layer right out coming uh, right right at the beginning of the song. And then the hypnotic, I, it was the only word I could, you know, kind of come up with. But like the guitar lead, is it? I'm assuming it's you playing it.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Because are, are you the, I feel like when I was talking to Greg, like you're, like, are you the sole guitar player in the band now?
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, like our singer Dave, he, he wrote a few parts on the record for sure. But yeah, I yeah. played everything except for Greg. Play, Greg actually wrote a couple parts on the record at the beginning okay. of Died in the Prison of the Holy Office. I had literally exhausted myself. I was like, I don't, I have no more riffs. I'm done. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'm so consumed by everything else on the record, like producing yeah. the vocals, everything else. Like I have a drone <laughs> and a glitchy part.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like um, I can, I can only imagine what kind of pressure that probably brings on you in going from a band that at times has had four guitar players who can all come with their own ideas mm-hmm. to being the lone or mainly the lone guitar player who has to come up with all the ideas, but not wanting to sound like the band is, I guess, quote unquote, missing something. Yeah. Uh, that be- was
0: a big thing. And I mean, I had tons of sleepless nights like yeah. going into it where I was like, I was like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to do this? Cause I think I-, I was like very timid with like my guitar guitar writing for the band like there's tons mm. of stuff i wrote on it like on or that i wrote and played on other records of ours but like i felt more comfortable being in like the producer's chair of it i guess right. like yeah. like why don't like i could just be like why don't we change this note or this thing and change this guitar effect and like i could easily have someone else play it. i guess like i i mean i could have played it but um it was a little bit different of a role, something I was more used to, I guess. Mm. Cause I, I, produce bands like all the time when I'm home, but yeah. it was just like a daunting thing. Cause you also have like the band's legacy of like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to try to like make it like it was 10 years ago? Or are you going to mm-hmm. like try to make your own mark? And I, I think I had to separate myself away from like, I mean, initially I was like, oh, it's going to be like a very indie rock record. It's going to be a very indie record. And I had to just strip that away and just be like, well, what am I writing? Like, just yeah. like what's coming to me? And this song was like the thing that like broke me. I think this song, this is why it's like particularly special to me. I mean, it was the first single off the new record. I didn't want it to be the first single because I thought it was going to be too divisive. Like, hmm. this is the first song I tracked on guitar for the record. And I remember this was, like, my piece de resistance. Like, my, yeah. like, baby. I was like, this is, like, guitar-wise, this is, like, the, the high point for me on this record so far. Like, where we were at in the writing. And, like, I, there was just, like, a a lot of stuff I did on this song that, like, on the other songs as I was, like, writing parts, I was like, Oh, I can get away with this or this. Because I remember like the band being cool with like stuff that was on Invading and I was like, Well, if I could do that, I can just like fucking go off. (laughs) Like I I felt like I was gonna be boxed in. And this this song is also something that felt like more like a rebirth for the band.
2: Yeah.
0: Um like transitional period kind of thing again of like this is like the the lineup now. Yeah. And yeah, um I just like trying I just knew I had to like make a mark with it because I, I had it was like it had to be a statement, at least on my end, and like everyone else was going to do their thing, but at least to me, this song was like, I had to go off in some way, mm-hmm. and and like try different stuff with the band, like with some more techie proggy stuff. Yeah,
1: well, that's that's what I love about this song. What I was bringing up about the guitar riff or riffs, <laughs> because it it kind of just keeps going, but it's one of those riffs that feels like it's revolving, but then you never. Like, as far as I can, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but it feels like you don't actually come back to it once you've left a piece, you don't come back to it. Maybe that's wrong, but and just the way you've kind of structured it. But mostly, it just... yeah.
0: The ending, the ending when it comes back, I do reference some stuff yeah. that happens earlier in the track, like little bits. Yeah. But it's yeah. like little snippets. It's not yeah. like I don't bring back, like, oh, here's like what I might consider the first chorus. I don't like, slip yeah, to the ending of but, the song.
1: Right. But like, as you're going through that first what let's say two thirds of the song or whatever before, you know, it gets to the, I guess the closest thing to a chorus in the song (laughs) or the outro, whatever. But, um, yeah, it just feels like that that riff keeps evolving and keeps moving forward, but also still sounding the same in the sense that you're not like, I don't, again, I haven't like listened to it and gone like, Oh, this is what he's doing in theory sort of thing right but it just feels like everything is just kind of keeps going and you move yeah. forward and you move forward it's so it's so rad thanks and yeah it kind of pulls you in
0: yeah yeah i think we were like greg and i were very specific about um because greg reco- greg like produced the guitars with me he he, yeah. he was engineering and pro- helping produce them as i was playing because it was the first record where i brought someone else in fully yeah. um because it was just too daunting of a record like right. I had reached like, I was like, I'm at max capacity mentally. Like I can't, I yeah. can't record myself, be able to like know when a part is good or bad or how to layer it and do everything else
2: mm-hmm. at
0: all. And we had worked together for years and it was for years it was like, Oh, we should work on the world is thing together. We should work. And it finally, it yeah. made sense. But yeah. we were very specific in the song. Like if parts did come back within like a section that they would be different. Like, hmm. One of the first parts that come in on on the song, the first few rotations, it's only, like, happening on, like, one side or something. And then when it comes back, there's things that are panning back and forth. It's the same part, but – or, like, the effects kind of change when it comes back, like, 30 seconds later um, in its next rotation. Um, And there's – the amount of actual guitar parts in that song is, like, fucked up. Like, actual – like, if I were (laughs) to count it out, I would need, like, six guitarists playing anything because there's so many like layers that are like building and rising to like different tapping parts happening octave effect guitars like i think like like i did a playthrough for that song for um that was in guitar world like a video Mm -hmm. playthrough because i and even then i had to condense it down to two guitars (laughs) and i was like fuck like this part of it yeah i was like here's what you might think is in here like this is a summary (laughs) this is like you know it doesn't have all the other shit but but that was like a very specific thing that i wanted to do to showcase like you know we can we can do that kind of stuff too that's like the more technical Mm -hmm. stuff i i didn't think of it as being proggy or anything when i was writing it and then when it came out people were like world is is a prog band now and i was like
3: well
1: all right (laughs) i mean it's it's funny because if the if that's the song that made them make that statement i was like I mean, you've had some pretty major elements of Prague there from the beginning. We've talked about you know songs having multiple movements within one song. Like, I think that's pretty. That's a staple for for Prague. Now, obviously, that guitar part or that song, the guitar parts in that song, maybe sounds a little more traditional to Prague rock versus it, you know being like a band that's playing post hardcore or post rock with mm-hmm. Prague elements. But um, yeah, no, it's it's a great song and. The way it builds before. So, like, what caught me initially about this song was that, like, the ending piece, right? Like, as it kind of builds and then it just, like, drops cold with that snare hit and then comes back in with the, like, those last lines or whatever, where you sing in 20. This is what caught me 23 by 84 by 28. I was like, what the hell does that even okay, mean? Okay, like, so what you Googled
0: is, it. You Googled I it. I did.
1: Yeah, so I did end up Googling and figuring out. I'm like, while well, someone, there was. um. I think it was on genius.com or whatever. They said, Oh, those are the standard dimensions in inches for a casket. I think
3: (laughs) I thought
0: Dave was trying to rep when, when we did the song, like I'll Google stuff that Dave writes about and I'll be like, Oh, like this is cool. Right. That song there was like for that in that line specifically, I was like, Oh, he's just trying to sound like out the drive and it's just like shit. That sounds Uh, cool, but it doesn't mean fucking anything maybe. Right. And I, I mean like I should know it meant something but I was sure, like these are cool yeah. numbers whatever and <laughs> I I only found out after the song came out the fucking yeah. single came out I was looking through the YouTube comments and someone was like those uh, are casket dimensions and I was like
1: yeah. fuck really? well, the whole song yeah one, and once that really came to I was like wait let's look at the lyrics and so like obviously the song just Seems to be about you know basically wasting your life trying to climb the corporate ladder or however you want to word it and the next thing you know you're dead right it's like you yeah did you really get out of life what you're looking for
0: <laughs> yeah I loved I loved like the way Dave starts the song he actually wanted to reference um like he he the line he comes in on it's like a little drawn out and it's it like yeah goes into the track and he's almost yelling. But he he wanted to reference like like My War by Black Flag or something like that. Like oh, he was okay, trying to reference yeah. like some punkier stuff yeah. because the song is like kind of angry in that in that sense. Yeah. Um, and I I remember his lyrics were the twenty five or six uh, by twenty whatever. I keep yeah. wanting to say twenty five or six to four because I was in like S- is, is band a in Chicago high school. Fan? <laughs> yeah, I I had to play that song in like jazz band. I was in sophomore (laughs) of high school. So like I keep wanting to say that, but that line Yeah I I don't think it originally was gonna come back at the ending, but I remember like a week before submitting the record, I was like I was like there's too many lyrics. There's like too Hmm. many lyrics in this song. Like the guitar's already like fucked off. Like, it's yeah. just too much guitar anyways. Yeah. Like I fully, yeah. had, I went off overboard <laughs> and I was like, what? There needs to be something that like kind of comes back. So like we restructured that very end of the track. Um, He didn't have to re-sing anything, thankfully, but I kind of copy pasted a couple lines to right. like make like a certain pattern that made yeah. a little more sense. Um, Cause yeah, there was a lot, there was a bunch of lyrics we caught. Co- like, cause we were trying out some different stuff. Um, yeah. But I one thing I'll never fault Dave for is like the amount of ideas he'll have, and thankfully yeah. we can trim down. There's not too much of like you need to write a whole new section. It's usually like, oh well, we can cut this and this. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, he like makes it work. He there's like there's like a very standard thing that I've run into with a lot of vocalists that's frustrating. Of like if you cut one line, the immediate response is the, the defense is well, then the song doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, just yeah. one fucking Rely line. on that one
1: line. <laughs> yeah, I was like,
0: that one line that's like the weakest of yeah. like the entire chorus, the whole song hinges on <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> but thankfully he's like, he's always like, oh yeah, let's just change it. It's it's totally fine. And I remember going really ham with the effects on his vocals in that first kind of third of the song Yeah. or so. And I like hooked up there was literally like two or three days towards the end of the record where i was just like i'm just gonna fuck around on vocal Mm -hmm. mixing and i set up like a like my pedal board and i had his i had the vocals like run through it like i would just do certain sections and like mess around and see what happened but like all the passages in probably the first minute or so of that song i went through and i had like pitch shifters i was hitting like with the music and like performing it on the pedals like changing settings and like getting glitches and stuff and i kept doing passes until i got the right ones and comp them together into like a whole like series um which was actually really fun but like a huge time sink but i was like so with that song i was like this has to be like there has to be a weirdness factor to it otherwise it might not come across the way I want it. Like I, I, I wanted mm. some sort of ridiculous pitch bends, glitches in the yeah. vocals. and that, I didn't really mess with that. I, I didn't do that exact thing in other songs, but I, I guess that's partly why I didn't want the record to lead off with that single at first, because mm. I was like, everybody's just gonna think the whole record is just me fucking around, it's weird. like effects yeah. pedals <laughs> on the on the, the vocals or something. Yeah. But like Epitaph, our label who released it. They were really, they, from what I felt, they really pushed for that song to be first. And I was like, mm. I was like, I'm like so deep in this record, I fucking can't even pick a song anymore. So, like, just if they're saying it, do it. Cause I think they might have been the ones who pushed for January 10th. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, if they, if they are cool with that song, then I'm.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, I mean, the effects and stuff that you've got going on at the beginning, like I said, it, it catches the ear real quick, right? Like, um, yeah, it, it does start a little different, I suppose, than, you know, a lot of world is songs. And that's, uh, that's awesome. And in listening, you know, to these five songs, I don't know how many times I listened to these five songs today. <laughs> like I, I made the playlist a while ago and was listening through them. And then like yesterday I was like, Oh shit, I should figure out which order they're in. Cause I knew they were like, I just put them in the order that you'd sent them. I was like, I know that's not quite right. How of how I want to do it, but Uh, but I listened to it today. It was all I listened to these five songs over (laughs) and over again, just like when I had a chance driving to work at work, driving home from work, you know, it's just like making breakfast this morning. Um, and just the way this song starts from those other four for sure is just like, Oh yeah. Like immediately catches your ear. And then, like I said, with a lot of your guys' songs, the builds and the payoffs, I love payoffs to songs. Like, um, a good build is 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 great, but if it doesn't pay off, it, you always just feel a little bit like, oh, this is gonna be, oh, it was gonna be awesome, and then it just sort of, you know, didn't quite get awesome. But without fail, I feel like I can't think of an example where, in, you know, in any of your song, your songs where I've been like, oh, that didn't quite do what I was hoping it would do. You guys just fucking knock it out of the park every time and a lot of times it's different right like this one that snare hit like if i'm listening to this song and paying full attention like just as he's like right before you know that the 23 by 84 by 28 i had to read that um (laughs) you know as as he just like hits bang and then you know oh shit here we go right like yeah and it's it it's so good and and it pays off so Thanks. Good on you. And I can't help but smirk at the end of the song, like lyrically, where he says 23 by 84 by 28. So the casket measurements turns to hope for peaceful death or at least two days off in a row. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: like, yeah. Yeah. We,
0: like, we we, those lines were in a different order originally. And I remember in the last few days of the record being like,
2: what yeah. if
0: we switch it to that? Because it's like kind of fucked up. Right. And he, yeah. <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah. Like, OK. Yeah. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, it is. I that line is like randomly stuck in my head sometimes. Like, yeah. like not. I'm not trying to like. I don't like listen to us in my free time too much. Like, Mar- I hear it enough, but like, yeah. it'll just like come in my head. I'm like, holy shit, you know? Because he has like yeah. the line, like, uh, or at least was it, or at least two days off in a row or some shit. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, I'm I'm grateful that I don't like work a job where I feel like I'm just being like beat down with work, right? But uh, So I, but, but I love it. Like I I get the, I get the feeling I've been there working jobs. You're just like, Oh, why am I even doing this? You know? But, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, it's, it's so good. Thanks, man. Thanks for, thanks for hanging out and doing this. I don't know if there's anything you wanted to add before, uh, before we say goodbye, but this was, this was so much fun. I love bands that have depth and you guys got depth for days. So that's great.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. There's, it's a lot of random Easter eggs in the in the discography.
1: <laughs> well, now uh, I'm just, just going to be up all night. I'm going to start from the beginning and I'm going to work my way through it. I'm just going to like take notes. Oh, I think I heard that two albums ago. I should go back and double check. Yeah, I think. Well, I think at eggs. the end,
0: I think of the at the end of Invading, I think I took a layer that says we're all going to die. I think I took that from Harmlessness. It was a layer okay. that was in between the last two tracks of Harmlessness. Uh, I can be afraid mm. of anything and a song called Mount Hum. Mount Hum mm-hmm. was the working title that I came up with cuz I thought it sounded like Mount Eerie and Hum. Right. So that's that's to bring it back earlier that's that's a working title that made it to the final. But like yeah, I yeah. did take a layer from this one transitional part between these two songs and I I'm pretty sure that's right at the end of Invading. You can hear it a little bit at the as the song is fading out in the, like the music video or like kind of single version. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, there's there was uh, some extra thought into that one. <laughs>
1: That's awesome, man. Well, I'm glad we could do this. This was a, yeah. this was a ton of fun.
0: Thanks for having me.